up, y'all, and welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have an author, an educator, a STEM specialist, and she is the founder of Young Ladies at All Times. It gives me an honor to introduce to you Sherry Simmons. So when did you fall in love with education and teaching? Oh, um, I fell in love when I was 13, going on 14 years old. I originally wanted to be Matlock. Okay. Uh, I wanted to be a lawyer. I would watch the episodes with my great-grandmother. And then I started tutoring after I graduated from eighth grade at a summer program. And realized that, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I can help. Uh, we were working with kindergarten kids at the time. And I was like, oh, I actually helped her learn how to read and have some self-esteem. Because there was this one girl named Sharon who didn't feel she was smart. But she was one of the smartest girls in the classroom. And so from there, that's when it started. Will started turning. Okay, maybe this is something you want to go into. But I continued on with, no, nah, I want to be a lawyer. Until I got to high school and had to read Helter Skelter about J- Charles Manson. Mm. And that was the end for me. I was like, <laughs> I don't think I could do this one. Ain't that it? <laughs> yep. So, so would you say that little girl was your inspiration for getting you like really revved up for education? Yes. Sharon was definitely the inspiration for me going into the passion and the field that I've been called to be now. Okay, do you still uh, see that little girl or in contact? Well, she's probably a woman now, but... Right, now she should be about, ooh, 29? I haven't been able to find her. And I'll try looking her up on Facebook, but I haven't been able to find her. But she was definitely the inspiration behind me going into education. Okay, well, hopefully after hearing this, maybe somebody know her and or she'll hear it and get in right. contact with you. I hope so. So I also see that you are the founder and the president of Young Ladies at All Times. Yes. Now, tell me what that organization is all about. I founded this organization in 2017. I was um, an intermediate math teacher, which is third, fourth, and fifth grade at a school in Inglewood. And I was also going for my math, second master's degree in curriculum and instruction. And I was starting to realize that a lot of the behaviors of the young girls were worse than the boys. Um, They're starting to imitate what they see on TV. And I love reality TV, so I can see some of the same things and what I was watching on TV in their behavior. So it actually started from me doing my thesis on the effects of reality TV on girls between 10 and 14. And once I interviewed these girls, and realize they just want someone else that they can look up to, someone who can show them the right direction instead of them following what they see on TV. And sometimes at home, I came up with young ladies at all times. Now, is there an age group that you work with? Yes, I work with ages 10 through 14. So I've been blessed enough to be able to have worked with 5th, 6th, and 7th grade girls thus far at three different schools. And we're actually expanding in March. Um, I went into a church trying to just get involved and dive into 
doing it at churches and walked out with them being willing to be our satellite location on the south side. And so now I'll be able to bring more girls in on Saturdays from different schools and different neighborhoods around the church in order to have them be a part of the program. So what would you say is the mission statement that you have for these young ladies? Our mission statement is um, we take the letters of Y-L-A-A-T and it's our mantra. So they recite it at the beginning of each meeting and at the end. Y, you are important. L, love yourself first. A, a smile goes a long way. A, always try your best. And T, touch the lives of someone every day. So we show we show them how to love themselves inside and out. We work on self-esteem. We work on etiquette. We work on grooming. We work on personal hygiene. We work on um, them being able to see other women who grew up like them and are in the f- careers and fields that they want to go into. So I always follow this quote by Marion Wright Edelman that says you can't be what you don't see. So often we get mad at these girls who turn into these women who act ratchet and don't know how to conduct themselves, but we don't know if they've ever seen anything other than what they display to us on a daily basis. So I wanted to make sure that these girls got to see another way other than what they see on TV in their homes or outside their window. So I always start off by having them tell me what they want to be when they grow up. And we bring in guests every other week to tap into them based on the careers that they want to go into. So that way they can see women who grew up like them, who look like them, who are doing the things that they ultimately want to do in the future. So has there ever been um, a little girl, which I'm pretty sure there's been a lot of them, but has there been a girl that just like really just pricked your heart and actually became that person that she ultimately wanted to be? Well, since we just started two years ago, I've Mm -hmm. only really worked with 30 girls so far at three different schools. No, 40 girls at three different schools. And But there have been two that have stood out from my group last year. The first girl is um, Shakila. She's in eighth grade now. And she was adamant that she wanted to be a biomedical scientist. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But I'm <laughs> if I know somebody who knows somebody who can help you. So <laughs> I was able to find a scientist, Dr. Desiree Leach, who allowed for us to come in and, and shadow her at Northwestern University, downtown Chicago. And she actually has a non-for-profit called um, Color in Medicine, where it's all African-American men and women who are in the field of medicine. And she has a mentoring program that starts in high school. But because she saw how much Shakila wanted to go into science, she offered her an invitation into her mentoring program. So now she's in eighth grade being a part of this program that normally she wouldn't have started until she was a freshman sophomore in high school. So she'll be mentored all the way up until her going into biomedical science. And then the other one is Eve. Eve is another girl that I met last year um, through the program. And I actually have hired her as my assistant. So she's going to be like my intern um, starting this new cohort in the spring. 
at this satellite location. And it was just something about Eve. She was in my class because I taught STEM classes at the same school where I ran the program. And I could tell mm-hmm. that she was older than everybody else. She had been kept behind a year or two. And I could see her low, her self-esteem starting to get low. But she would put on this defense mechanism of I'm big, I'm bad, you can't tell me anything. But as I started to chisel away at it, we became closer. And we have a relationship where I have been told things before other people about her personally. And so she checks on me every now and then. I check on her. I encourage her. Just a couple of days ago, she was telling me about something and I reminded her of our mantra. You are important. Love yourself first. She was like, Miss Simmons, I'll never forget that. I say that all the time. And so I was like, oh, my God, they really are listening and doing what it is that I've been instilling in these girls. So I've decided to hire her as my assistant slash intern so that she can start learning the ropes on how to run a business and how to take care and organize things. Because I see that she has the leadership capability, so I just want to put her in an atmosphere where she'll be able to practice it. You know, the beauty of part, part about this is, not, I know you said you only have 30, then you said you only have 40, but just because of your mantra and, and your mission statement of telling them that they all need to reach one, you yep. reach more girls than that. Mm-hmm. You, you probably reach their mothers, their aunts, their grandmothers. You probably reached a whole community of, yeah. of women just through that, that group. So you are doing the work. So you need to be proud of yourself. Thank you. Now you are also an author. You are doing the absolute most, but you are also an author. <laughs> I know people are like, do you sleep? I say, I do. I do. Uh, what? Five minutes? Just close your oh, eyes. I and get my get back eight up. hours. Okay. I get my eight hours. Yep. Hey, don't sound like it, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so you are an author. What is the title of your book? Underneath the Hat. What is the story all about? So it's based on a true story, and it's about Amanda Jane and her relationship with her husband. She's the first lady who's a pastor. And it's about how Amanda Jane learned about the infidelities of Campbell and how she learned the purpose and the lesson within all of the things that transpired within their relationship. And how she became a better person because of it. She was able to find her purpose through her pain. And I use the title underneath the hat because as a first lady, that's the common uniform. You wear a nice suit, you wear a big hat. But also as a woman, Amanda Jane realized that there were many layers to her, many hats that she wore as a woman and a daughter and a wife and as a coworker and as a friend. And so just learning how to take care of herself and realize who she was underneath the hat. Now, I'm going to break this down for people to really understand what you said. Now, here's the thing. In the Black community, it is known for women in the church to wear a a hat. Not just a hat. A big, Mm -hmm. fabulous hat. Yes. A rent money hat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they are. <laughs> if not even the whole rent, at least a good quarter of the rent money hat. It was these hats, the bigger the better. And if, if it was Easter or church uh-huh. anniversary or yep. Mother's Day, the hats got better and fabulouser. 
So that title resonates a lot, especially with me, because I was born in a Pentecostal church. So I know what, and I did the hat thing for a little while, a little while. Right. And yeah. and I get your title, not just on that aspect, but a woman does wear a lot of hats. Now, let me ask you, what led you to write this story? It was really a form of therapy. I'm, I'm a very, I'm an introvert. And so I, being his first lady, I was fine with being in the shadows, no one knowing who I was, him being able to shine. So I dimmed my light so his could shine. I even realized I had a light until after all of this had come out. And so I was okay with being behind the scenes. You don't need to know I'm back here. I'll be fine. I'm okay being mm -hmm. by myself. And so me going through all that I went through, it was therapy for me to write it down and finally get it out because I was also known for keeping everything in. I would call myself a volcano. And when I erupted, it wasn't pretty. Mm -hmm. And so me writing this stuff down allowed for me to turn from a volcano to a teapot. So I, it was it was therapeutic for me to be able to get everything out and to finally see it on paper and acknowledge it and recognize it and then be able to heal from it. There are some women in church who I even had, I hate to say it, but it's the truth. Their aspiration is to become a first lady. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. And... For the life of me, I never understood why. I'm like, I don't even want title Sister Lillian. You can just call me Lillian. I'm cool with that. So the last oh. thing I want to be is First Lady Lillian or Mother Lillian. No, 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 no. Yep. That is a weight beyond oh. weight. Yes, it is. But I can understand why they want to. Because in the Black church, the first lady in the past, I like celebrities. Yes. You come in, you got your own seat. When they have banquets and, and, and anniversaries, you you are in the spotlight. You own the dais. You're in the center of the group. Everybody knows who you are. They recognize you. You get announced by your, your husband every time he preaches or he mentions your name and people fawn all over you. A lot of people need that, that attention. And so a lot of women do want to be the first lady because they see all of the accolades that come with it, but they don't see all of the long nights where you're sitting at home by yourself or he has to leave you on a date night and go tend to somebody else or you're mm -hmm. trying to spend time together and a phone call comes and that's the end of that date or you're sitting at home by yourself because he has to go preach or he has to do a funeral or he has to prepare for a sermon. So it's a lot of downside to it, which sometimes outweighs the good that everybody sees because mm -hmm. the hats and the suits and the, oh, Sister Simmons, how you doing? Everybody calling your name sometimes isn't good. But a lot of people like it because of the flash and the recognition that comes with it because you're like celebrities in the black neighborhood and in, in the mm -hmm. black community. And that, and now the other part of this is when he get the phone call and you got to go with him and you don't feel like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I've been to plenty of funerals, plenty of places. I'm like, oh my god! 
And I was you not called. That- you were. <laughs> yeah. And you got to put that first lady smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. And that was another thing behind the title, underneath the hat. Like you mentioned before, those flashy hats. It's mm-hmm. like I realized that the more that I was going through all of the issues that were going on at the church, the bigger my hat got. Mm. So I can hide underneath and no one could see my face. No one knew what I was going through, what I was feeling, that I just found out something about him the night before, yet here I was sitting on the second row, singing in a choir, teaching the kids in Sunday school. Mm. The church didn't even know that we had separated. I moved out July 27th, 2012. That was a Saturday. I was back in church that morning, that Sunday morning, with my hat on and my suit on, like nothing had happened. And 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 a lot of women are wearing hats that they have adorned with all these jewels to make everybody think that everything is okay, when underneath the hat, they're suffering. They're not healed. They're bleeding. And we don't talk about what's going on underneath the hat. And so we end up becoming, we start off being that little girl in my mentoring program that didn't have somebody to pour into her. And then we grow up with those same pains and hurts and insecurities and become grown women who are now mothers sowing that seed of doubt and low self-esteem into our daughters. Now, do you think it's because growing up in church or being in church, it is so frowned upon for couples to separate and divorce so you just take it yes um i've had lots <laughs> i realized once i started opening up about what i was going through and i've used the platform of the book to start launch other things so i've done a web series a youtube web series called underneath the hat where people have come in and sat on my couch in my makeshift studio in my basement and we recorded them having conversations about things that we normally don't talk about. And I've done a pet live panel discussions where they come and we discuss friendship. We discuss mother-daughter relationships. I've had one on father-daughter relationships because in my book, the very first chapter is how I learned how to love a man that would cheat on me with multiple women hmm. because I married my father. There were things in my father that subconsciously and consciously I was attracted to. Same things I found in my ex-husband. And so because you don't heal those father-daughter relationships or don't even have one, then you end up falling prey to some of these men who are just as broken as the women are. So this book has helped me to help women. So I'm working with the young girls to get them to not be to the point to where I have to have conversations like this for underneath the hat with women who are dealing with some of the same hurts that they dealt with as kids, that they never healed. Now, during your focus groups, have you ever had a question that it needed to be answered, but it was a question that was typically taboo in the church? Oh, um... We have, I wanted to have one about infidelity, but ooh, trying to get me to be on a panel (laughs) (laughs) has been very uh, difficult. A lot of men feel as though they don't want to tell the the story, don't want to give too much of the truth, and they don't want to be seen as the snitch of the male species. 
And so what I try to do is I try to make it fun. So every panel discussion that we have, I start off with a game. Like when we did the mother-daughter relationship one, um, it was called Wind Beneath My Wings. I try to, I love music. So I always try to pick titles that mm-hmm. have to do with songs. And so the one about mother-daughter was Wind Beneath My Wings. And then each, I play a game called Four Corners. And in each corner was a different type of mother-daughter relationship. So you had, um, you had Claire and her daughters from the Cosby show. You had uh, Nikki Parker and Kim from the Parkers. So I tried to pick different fam- different dynamics of mother-daughter relationships, and they had to go to the corner that represented the one that they grew up in and have a conversation with the people in that group. Now, these are strangers. And then I switched the question. I said, now, what family mother-daughter relationship would you have wanted? If you had a choice and to see so many people move from the one that they were growing up in into a totally different one and having those conversations. So I try to come up with questions that will cause people to think and open themselves up to something that they normally wouldn't want to talk about. Now, what would you say was the turning point that you was like enough is enough? I'll never forget that day. It was the day I found out. So after I had moved out, I had a laptop that he got me for my birthday, my 21st birthday. And I let him keep it because I was like his personal secretary, church secretary. So I did the bulletins. I copied the bulletins. I created the bulletins. I folded the bulletins. I was everything that you would want a first lady to be. And so I let him keep it for a year because all the church business was on his laptop. And so I finally went to get the laptop and he was adamant about not giving it to me, which lets me know something was on here you didn't want me to see. So I get home, I'm sitting on the on the couch and I'm like, okay, Lord, what am I supposed to know? What am I supposed to know? And I was able to get into the password and the Pandora's box opened. Thing that broke the camera, the, the straw that broke the camera's back was when I was able to get into his phone records. And in order to unlock his act, gain access to his phone records, it asked for his best friend's last name. I'm like, well, I know that. So I typed that in. No. The Lord was like, put her last name. And sure mm. enough, it opened. I was like, I can't. I can't. So when the mistress's last name was the password to open up his information, I said, that's it. Wow. A year and a half of stuff coming out and me saying, nope, just like you said before, nope, I don't want a divorce. Nope, I don't. I want to protect his image. Nope, we're going to try to work this out. We were young when we got, I just kept coming up with excuses. And I called it in my book, in my book TKO God kept knocking me out so that was the straw when I realized that his his password to unlock his phone was his last night now what was your family and people that were closest to you what was their response when they first read your book (laughs) Uh, well my close family knew that I was writing a book but then I was still quiet so 
the relationship that I had with my ex-husband, he was very manipulative. That's why he was able to do as much as he was able to do over all over the 16 years we were together because he knew how to manipulate it. So he started out by slowly pulling me away from my family, sowing little seeds to where I wasn't as close to them as I could have been. He didn't want me to have any male friends because he knew another man would notice what he was doing and tell me. And so eventually it was just me and him. Nobody else could get in. It was just us. Mm -hmm. When my family found out we were separating, that's when everybody was like, well, you know, I knew someone right. Well, where were you (laughs) when I needed somebody to say something? But then they were right. They were like, you weren't going to listen. And that was true. Right. It was true. I was so in love. No, you're not gonna talk about my husband. I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. And so, but there were some family members that to this day are still upset and still want to go wring his neck over the stuff that they found out about in this book because we he made it so that anything that happened in the house stayed in our house. You not we don't discuss what goes on in here. So mm-hmm. for me to open up and tell the stuff that had happened. Even people who were close to me, stuff they didn't know. They were like, what? Why would you stay when all that was going on? But they were bamboozled by him, too. Everybody liked him. He was very charismatic. So when he, when they found out all that he had done, they were shocked. They felt hurt, too, because they fell for it, too. They never would have thought he would have done all the things that he had done. Physical, there's physical abuse and there's mental abuse. Mm-hmm physical abuse is yes it's horrible absolutely horrible mental abuse is so much harder to break from absolutely i'm still in therapy now physical it can got, heal yes if it doesn't kill you you can heal that wound you yes. can heal that scar you can cover it up but mental it affects everything the way you think the way you react the things you say your you program have, yes a trigger of a song a movie a scent Mm-hmm. can cause you to go back to a place that you never thought that you could get past. I was just telling somebody a couple of days ago, like I finally, I just healed from some of the, from the stuff that I went through with him. And we've been divorced almost six years. 16 years with somebody, nine years married. He was manipulating me from the beginning. So by the time we got married and all the stuff started coming out, I was like, nah, we can just do this. We can do this. This this the this the biggest thing that's ever happened to us. And all the years we can get past this. We can do this. And God was like, No, this is. Uh-uh. I got yep. something for you, and I can't even take you where I need to take you with him next to you, in front of you, beside you, because he ain't gonna be able to handle it. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna fool Cherie unless I release you from him. And the thing is about when people say, you know, you need to leave them, you need to get, why didn't you leave them? People don't understand. Everybody has a different point of I'm done. My point of I'm done might be different from your point and and vice versa. So just because I would have not taken that, there might be some in my relationship that you'd be like, why are you dealing with that? Uh So don't never, ever, ever judge a woman of why they still in a relationship. And I say that 
because there have been friends that I've been like, I don't understand why you still with this dude. But at the same time, they said the same thing about relationships that I've been in. But right. like you, thank thank the Lord, He finally sent me the one. Thank you, Jesus. So Ooh, yeah, same with me. My husband now is a strong person because I was trying to sabotage this whole situation. I told the Lord, "Look, <laughs> I ain't never got to be married again." And there was so many. That's why I say it's important for you to heal before you get into a relationship. Because I was bleeding all over my new husband. Once that I hadn't healed from the first one, I was taking it out on him. He was luckily he was strong enough and prayed up enough to where he stuck around. Because we've been married going on four years this year, but I'm just starting to be healed from the foolishness of the first four or five years. He's been dealing with. Me getting to the point to where I can see him for who he is and not for what somebody else had done to me. And, you had to, like, you had to find yeah. you again. You were trying to find exactly. you again. Yep. And that's a journey within itself. I mean, from all the stuff you got going on and only getting three minutes of sleep a night. Yeah. yeah. You're, <laughs> you, <laughs> you needed who you have now. That in the past was not the one. He could handle Absolutely who you not. are today. So yeah, he was the type of person. He had to be the only one shining in the room, mm-hmm. and so I never would have been able to have been the type of person where I'm having all of these accomplishments and and setting all these goals and reaching them, and people patting me on the back and not paying attention to him. He never would have been able to understand that and accept it. So mm-hmm. God knew exactly what he was doing. That mess got you where you are right now. Exactly. Girl, I don't know if there's enough time in the day to talk to you. <laughs> Your schedule is so busy. Shoot. Uh, I'm so- I'm shocked you was able to squeeze me in. Oh no. I mean, I will say this, Lily. God has oof. I know it's nobody but him. Because like I said before, I'm still an introvert. I'm just starting to come out my shell. I'm a homebody. I don't like to do much, but ever since he has told me what my purpose is and, and it's really weighing on me working with my girls because I don't have any children. And so I'm working on my second book where I talk about my journey through infertility of me being Mm -hmm. able to sow into these girls and I can't have my own is like, okay, I'm going to put on my all into this. And because he realizes that this is something that I want and that I'm not reaping anything, I'm not profiting from in, any of what is happening. Proceeds from the book go towards the girls. And I don't mm-hmm. get anything from what the girls get. So I'm just pouring all, putting all the energy that I would into having children into this. He had to show me that you have physical birth and you have spiritual birth. Physically, I haven't yes. given birth yet. But spiritually, he's allowed for me to birth things that other people wouldn't have been able to handle, that only I built the way that I was built would have been able to handle. So now that I realize that, I'm like, okay, what you got for me, I'll do what it is you want me to do. So I'm shocking myself the stuff I've been able to do and the time I've been able to do it because I'm like, oh, my God, did I sleep? (laughs) I do give my full eight hours every night. Here you go. I don't believe you, but that's good. 
Well, you know what? Because you sound a lot like me. I don't do nothing. I, 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 I take. I don't say I take pride in being a homebody, but I'm cool with it. I, I enjoy being at home. I don't need to be out. I, I could be at home and have the best time ever by myself. And yeah, I'll talk to myself every now and again. But it's I crack myself up. Have the best time. I'll <laughs> be like, girl, that but, was a good. Okay. Like I see nobody in the room. How can people find it? You can go to my website, Cherie Simmons, S-H-E-R-R-I Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S dot com, and go to buy, and it'll pop up with a link to Amazon. You can go to Amazon.com, type in underneath the hat, um, books, uh, books a million, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold, you can find it. And where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook. I have my personal page, Cherie Simmons. I have my page for my girls, young ladies at all times. And I also have a page for my book, Underneath the Hat. I'm also on Instagram, at Underneath the Hat. And my website, www.cheriesimmons.com. You ready for your last question? Yeah. All right. If you could have any song be your theme song when you walked into a room, what would it what would it be and why? Now you know I've already thought about this. I know you did. I love music. I would say my theme song. Oh, I got so many. But every time I walk into the room, hmm. Oh. My whole playlist is playing. <laughs> uh, oh, Whitney Houston's I'm Every Woman. Yes. Yes. Whitney Houston's I'm Every Woman. Oh, I got another one too. But first tell me why Whitney, then tell me the seconds. Why Whitney? Because she's always been my idol. And um, just the fact that the lyrics say I can cast a spell Secrets you can't tell makes a special brew put fire inside of you. So mm-hmm. I can not only help you uh, and it upgrade you, but I can also help to enhance you so that you can do it yourself. I've never been the type of person where I want to be able to take all the credit, but I do want people to recognize that I bring something to the table too. What's the second song that just popped up in your head? The, uh, the second song is called Pieces of Me by Lettuce. Oh, I know yes. that one. Okay. Yeah. Now, now why that song? Me best because um, going through all that I went through, it really emulates my book. It, going through all the things that I went through, people didn't really knew, know who I was until I started saying something. And so she says, when you look at my face, you got to know that I'm made of everything, love and pain. And for so often, I hid myself underneath my hat or I put on a fake smile or I had a facade that people didn't know who I was. And now that I'm comfortable with me and realizing that there are different pieces and parts of me that I don't have to try to hide underneath my hat, that I can show my light and me being honest about me can help somebody else. Girl, you are awesome. You are a force to be reckoned with. Do you hear me? 
Thank you. You are so welcome. I'm glad that, oh, I can't even think of her name, that she reached out to me to reach out to you and made this happen. So, oh, Dylan. Yeah, shout out. Yay, yeah. thanks, Dylan. <laughs> I love Dylan. Yeah. I've never met Dylan, but I love Dylan. Dylan is my media consultant. I would not have done most of the stuff that I have done if it were not for her. Like, I'm, I don't, I, I don't, I've never met Dylan. Like, we've been communicating back and forth on Messenger and email. I met her through um, someone else when I was doing a radio show. And from there, mm-hmm. we've been moving. Doors have been opening. All because Dylan has understood who I was and stepped out on faith and helped me to open myself up even more and step out of that comfort zone of being an introvert and mm-hmm. opening up and telling my story. And I could not have been to this at this point with you and with other people with podcasts if it were not for Dylan. And you sound like a natural. You don't even sound like you're really struggling. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I'm starting not to believe some of the things you say. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a teacher for years. So I think being on the spot and being ready and kids throwing stuff at you, you're not expecting and having to bounce back has been good training ground. Well, lady, thank you so much. You know what? This was fun. I really enjoyed you. Thank you. I had fun too. Well, have a good evening. I'm going to let you enjoy the rest of your night. All right. You ain't going to sleep, so, you Not know. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta wind down first. <laughs> Gotta woo side a little bit. Right, okay. yep. <laughs> All right, you enjoy yourself. Okay, you too. Thank you. You have a good one. You too. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Sherry, so much for being on my show. You have a heart of gold, and I can't wait to see all the great things you're about to do for these young ladies and what they're going to do for you. And if you would like to be on Roll the Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And you might as well subscribe. Thanks again for listening to your girl, your one and only Worldly Church Girl. 